welcome to the Panic Pod. The title of this episode is Adrenaline versus Cortisol, uh, the difference in relation to anxiety. Um, how are you doing, Ella? Pretty good. Pretty low adrenaline, pretty low cortisol right now. So I think I'm doing good. Um, I'm really interested in this topic today, so I'm excited to get going with you. Yeah, it's really it's good. It's just going to be a, a rudimentary um overview of it really um one because i don't think there's any kind of benefit to just constantly going deep into the biology of things uh, some people get into it but i think for the mass audience we'll just kind of just keep it kind of simple um in the sense that i don't want people falling asleep i actually want people to retain what's what's going on in in this in this episode uh, it's really interesting i've been learning a lot about metacognitive therapy recently which is a kind of a third wave, fourth wave, third wave of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm. And um, it's really interesting. The pioneer, um, I think it's Adrian Adrian Wells. I, I think he's actually based in Manchester. I'm not quite sure, but I know oh. the tra- the training takes place in Manchester, UK. Uh, mm. And I'm really excited because this is going to be like a global thing. Uh, I know it because I was like, "Whoa, wow, this is so helpful for anxiety disorders and." excessive anxiety and OCD and things like that. This is so cool. Um, and so I just thought I would um, share when I was learning about it, just the difference between adrenaline and cortisol, because I found it so helpful. And some of my clients mm-hmm. have found it very helpful as well. That's good, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what perks your interest in it? Yeah. So, okay. So what I know of these... Uh, Hormones, I guess. Is that is that even the correct term for them? What I know yes, about adrenaline and cortisol yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is um is that cortisol I know has a lot to do with our uh cortisol and mel- melatonin are like both kind of a yin and yang of our sleeping patterns. So cortisol mm-hmm. is one of the hormones that's help that helps wake us up in the morning. Um so if you have low cortisol, you might have a harder time waking up or like an inconsistent time waking up in the morning if you have very high cortisol it's likely that you wake up a lot during the night or have a hard time sleeping and i read once that cortisol's highest at like 8 or 9 a.m so it's kind of like or depending on your sleep schedule i guess but like for the average person you wake up and then it kind of rises as you're awake for the first bit of the morning and then it falls slowly throughout the day and then melatonin is the kind of opposite of that melatonin is what increases as the day gets later and it makes you sleepy adrenaline versus that is i know what i learned this year was that we have huge glands on the back of our kidneys for adrenaline i didn't know that that was like part of where um adrenaline came from is there's glands Mm. that produce adrenaline in your back which is totally new to me and that that's more uh related to our fear response and our stress response and like how we um it's more of like a moment by moment hormone versus cortisol which is like more to do with like our daily sleep cycles Mm. so that's what i know about the two did i get any of that right (laughs) yeah bang on that was really good um yeah actually well the adrenal glands um produce both adrenaline and cortisol so so they come from the same place um i love how you explained about um sleep because that's absolutely mm-hmm. right the biggest 
spike in cortisol we have is in the morning for when we wake up. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people listening to this podcast will have morning anxiety. Yeah. Morning anxiety is a thing. And that really helped make sense for me when I was having bad anxiety of like, oh, okay, so that's why those two are so linked that you can feel more anxious in the morning than you might in the evening because your cortisol mm. is being like affecting Absolutely. Absolutely. So like, why do I get anxious in the morning? Obviously, morning anxiety isn't just cortisol, but it's a big, it's a, it's a misinterpretation of that cortisol. So if we wake up in the morning and we're afraid to feel anxious, what we'll mm. do is we'll check to see if the anxiety is there. But of course, like you said, Ella, the body gives us a nice shot of cortisol to get us up. Mm-hmm. But anxious people misinterpret that. And suddenly think mm-hmm. it's, oh, the anxiety is here. Oh, it's back. Oh, it's never going away. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that is me mocking you at home. Um, but I do that because in a reassuring way. Because you that way, way too. So you know yeah. what it feels like. Well, I still do. I'll get morning anxiety now and then. I'll probably get it once or twice a week for about right. five minutes when I wake up. Mm-hmm. But but I know it's just, you know, the cortisol and, and whatever. And it's usually after I've had a poor night's sleep or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely right. That is the role of cortisol in the sense to wake you up. And I love how you spoke about melatonin to kind of, um, you know, send you off to sleep, the yin and yang of, of hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to talk about the role of cortisol in relation to fight or flight, because I find this really, really interesting. Um, and just because I find it interesting doesn't mean you will at home, nor you will, Ella. Let's but cross we'll, our uh... fingers and hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I first kind of overcame anxiety disorder, I wrote my first book, Panicking About Panic. And that's me not knowing a lot about anxiety. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in there that's very simplified. Some of it is bordering on inaccurate. It's not inaccurate, but like kind of, I just simplify it like, oh, it's all adrenaline, it's all anxiety. And that's helpful. And I still conceptualize things like that too. Mm -hmm. But obviously, if you look a bit deeper, it's a bit, it's a bit bit more than that Mm -hmm. in the sense that we can feel different modes of anxiety. Now, acute fear, acute fear with the pounding heart, the sweating, the, oh my gosh, this rush of energy, I'm something bad's going to happen. This huge whoosh. Um, that's the, the fight or flight, our threat response, reacting what it perceives to be an immediate threat. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that is acute anxiety. That's the kind of anxiety that we feel when we're seven, eight, nine, ten on the anxiety scale. Mm-hmm. However, most people struggle with chronic anxiety more than mm-hmm. the acute anxiety, mm-hmm. and the chronic anxiety, which is, I feel on edge. I feel like Mm. something bad's going to happen. I feel drained. I feel like there's a fog. I I feel this sense of fear and doom that doesn't seem to go away. That kind of fear that's on the five, the four, five, sixes on the anxiety Mm -hmm. scale. It's there, but it's not like there enough to be, okay, I can really feel like a ton in my body right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is predominantly cortisol. It's actually more cortisol than it is adrenaline. Because what I've been learning in metacognitive therapy um, is that adrenaline, we only have a finite amount of adrenaline. The body can only produce a certain amount of adrenaline. So that's, you know, I use that fact for people that are having panic attacks. 
you know right. not that we use the word attack here but, you know when mm-hmm. they have a when when they have a, an episode of panic mm-hmm. what i'll say is you know well it's okay because this can't last forever because right. you the body only has a finite amount of adrenaline right um so okay right that's fine that, that's great and that's reassuring for people because they always say mm-hmm. what if this is me forever what if i never calm down what if i go nuts what if i end up in in an asylum but i'm like well no you're just gonna feel the effects of a threat response that has got mm-hmm. confused you're having a load of adrenaline that's getting kicked in and that's what happens when you're high on your anxiety scale and the role of cortisol is to actually preserve that adrenal response just in case we need it okay and mm-hmm. to to understand this let's look at evolution the evolution of 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 humans so if you go back thousands of years um, and humans are trying to survive you know in caves on the serengeti out and about when if you look at us we're not built to fight really are we i mean we're actually vessels of flesh that are easy predators Mm. you know if a lion comes running at us we're not going to beat the well i will because i'm hard but in general most people won't beat the lion you know um we're just we're just not equipped to deal with with predators in our natural Mm -hmm. form obviously our Mm -hmm. brains are amazing and we've Mm-hmm. develop things like tools and hunting weapons and stuff over time but in our natural form we are rubbish at mm. escaping a predator mm-hmm. so if i'm walking across the serengeti and a lion jumps out from behind a bush and starts to attack me okay i'm going to have an adrenal response and feel scared mm-hmm. but it's pretty much rubbish isn't it it's, it's not going to help me fight the lion it's not going to help me run to safety because I'm not as strong or as quick as the lion, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it might help me if there's a, a, a warring tribe member that runs over at me, you know, because mm-hmm. then I've met my match then. So, like, mm-hmm. we're both there. We've both got adrenal, adrenaline going. Let's go. Let's fight, you know. Mm-hmm. It might be helpful if there's a wolf or, or, a, or a dog attacking because, you know, we've got we stand a fighting chance then, you know. Mm-hmm. But in general, for the big predators, we are rubbish, a, a mm. kind of defending ourselves so right. the adrenal response alone when it comes to human survival is not the sole reason why we have survived it isn't just that acute fight or flight response right. no, we, we need something else in our survival kit in our yeah. co- in our survival mechanisms to get us to where we've been today and yeah. cue the role of cortisol. And I know I'm banging on and monologuing, but I'll just get to the end of my lecture from the pulpit. No, I love this. This is blowing my mind because I've I've always wanted a reason to appreciate cortisol, Josh, and you're just giving it to me right now. This is yeah. very exciting. This is and, and, and it is, and it blew my mind. I loved it. So some people are at home like, I knew this already. Well, good for you. Uh but I, I knew it, but I didn't know it, know it. Like the penny didn't really drop for me. So the, the role penny of is dropping in real time over here. The penny re- is dropping in real time. <laughs> is that some indication of the of the local market since you moved? Shut up, Josh. So <laughs> cortisol, going back to that primitive uh, um, survival response to attack from predators, that if I'm walking across the Serengeti, rather than use all my adrenaline at once to try and save me 
and prepare for to run away or fight predators, I can use cortisol to keep me in an alert response. Right. So picture a meerkat, you mm. know? Picture a meerkat stood on the end of its den or mm. warren or whatever it is that where a meerkat lives. Mm. And that's what humans have in the sense that it keeps us in alert mode. Cortisol actually replaces the need for adrenaline. Right. So it keeps us super, super on edge and alert. So we can see lions from a distance. Mm. We can anticipate dangers mm -hmm. from miles away. Mm -hmm. We can, using our memories and experiences and associations, put ourselves in a state of hypervigilance mm -hmm. and on edge to help us anticipate a lion coming. Because if we can see a lion from a mile away, mm -hmm. then we've got a hell of a bigger chance to survive. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if anything, if we can see a lion from a mile away, we could hunt that lion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the role in, as in an evolutionary response. It's a stress response that helps us guide our attention Mm -hmm. to potential threats around us. And right. anyone with anxiety can surely relate to that. How many times have you woken up and been on edge all day, you know, mm. constantly looking for threats and blah, blah, blah. However, with people with disordered anxiety, they're stuck in that cortisol response, that anticipatory mm -hmm. response with all that cortisol pumping around, but they're misinterpreting it. Mm -hmm. And then, then what happens, our thinking brains, which have, obviously developed over thousands of years too they're too smart but mm. they get confused they're like why on earth are we in an anticipatory you know survival anti-predator response when i'm stood okay. in my house trying to do the dishes mm -hmm. why is that happening right now so then we try mm -hmm. to make sense of it which then takes us down the rabbit hole of ridiculous thoughts catastrophic mm. thinking that we spoke about in the last episode and we end up going round and round in loops then triggering the adrenal response and we end up going round and round in worried loops and, and, and end up in disordered anxiety. Yeah. You, you know, think about going back to the predatory response. If if I'm, uh, let's say there's a, a rhino, I'm using uh, any reference that comes to mind now. I'll listen back to this episode and go, that was a ridiculous metaphor, but we'll go with it. So let's say I'm at, back on the Serengeti, you and I, Ella, and we can see a rhino and it is charging towards us from a mile away. Mm -hmm. Cortisol would prepare us for that. Cortisol has helped us see that. Mm -hmm. Now, as the, as the rhino charges and gets closer, we can get out the way. We've planned to get out the way from it. Mm -hmm. you know. So then mm -hmm. as it gets closer and closer, there's a switch then. The cortisol mm -hmm. levels then kind of then quickly engage the adrenal response. Right. The, and this is really important for a shut up. Cortisol keeps us in a state of high, high alert and hypervigilance to then for the body to then immediately engage the adrenal response to prepare immediately for what's happening. And if anyone's ever kind of a, like had panic disorder or been stuck in that loop of panic attacks and then worrying about having panic attacks, then having panic attacks, then worrying about having panic attacks, that's the same scenario is that the panic attack is the rhino 
and then you're in a state of hypervigilance, the panic attacks come towards you, it engages adrenaline, but then we misinterpret that and we keep going around and around and around and panicking. It was great to prepare for stuff. You know, boxers preparing for a fight, loads of cortisol, the stress keeps them going. When they're in the ring, the adrenaline kicks in, the cortisols help kick it in. They're good, they're gonna fight the best. And that's its role. Now I was going to ask you, Ella, what do you, how do you think this defensive mechanism, the role between cortisol and adrenaline, how do you think that affects people in the modern day when there isn't really, you know, primitive predators running around Mm -hmm. and and people getting anxious? What do you think potentially the role of that system has in today's society? Wow. Yeah. Like when I see the penny dropped in this conversation, it's really, really exciting for me because I'm like, okay, this is like, I knew that these hormones had something to do with how we respond to things during the day, but I didn't really think about it in this way because the metaphor that I was thinking about when you were talking about, we can plan ahead because of cortisol was like that the Romans were the first to build these long straight roads that you could see enemies coming from a really long way away. There's something in that and something in our being human, being this intelligent animal that allows us to think that far ahead to like create structures in our life to ensure that we don't have this hurried, adrenaline-filled, panicked response or Mm. also have a chance of surviving. So what this means to me is I think about the fact that not just myself, I think a lot of people, when you get up in the morning before you go to work or first thing you do when you arrive at work why is it that so many of us pick that time to make a plan for the day and we can't plan everything but we just plan what can I accomplish today that puts a good dent in things that can that can um make me feel balanced make me feel good people talk a lot about like if Mm. you have a good sort of morning routine how that sets yourself up for a good day when Mm. we put good things in that time of increase stress, increase cortisol to set ourselves up for uh, a good week or a good month. Maybe that's like something like checking your finances. It's like a minor, like a micro dose of stressful thing to do, but it's important to have a regular habit of doing something like that. Exercising, same kind of thing. Maybe it's just keeping on top of things you have to do in general, life admin, who you have Mm -hmm. to contact, who you have to thank, who you have to, what you have to buy for going over to so-and-so's or having a party this weekend or whatever it is. Like you're planning things ahead so that you don't have these hurried moments of, oh no, oh crap, I was supposed to do that. Oh yeah. So this idea that cortisol is that hormone that's there to set us up for living a healthy, balanced life is finally allowing me to embrace it because I've had, I've blamed cortisol for a lot of stuff over my disordered anxiety time. And now I'm actually going, if I just use you appropriately and I use you well, this is the Mm. opportunity that I have to have a little bit of stress in the day, but like a healthy Mm. amount of stress and to go, what am I making of this stress to set myself up for a good week or a good month? And Mm. Just as a, a more sort of tangible, um, I 
I was journaling before I went to a therapist the first time, but I would say that the therapist that I went to really, really encouraged this as a way to cope with what was social anxiety mm. when I first went to therapy. And and um, you had social anxiety. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we 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 talk about that. That's how I. Uh, that's why I did all the weird stuff that I did to get over it. You know, doing improv, doing performing, all that mm. kind of stuff. Um, but interestingly, I'm reading uh, David Byrne's book right now, and he talks about having pretty bad social anxiety, and yet really wanted to be a performer. So, still, I, don't know. Know. I, I, I just, I just, yeah, it's, it's, just plain, it's just interesting, yeah. isn't it, that you can't see anxiety, <laughs> you even, don't, even, yeah. even as someone oh, who's, yeah. even as someone. Like, I recorded myself having a panic attack the other day on Instagram, which, which by the way, so what a great response I had to that. I came back to my phone, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, people yeah. were well into that. You know, I people thought I was, so he's a fraud. Bad. If he's no. still having panic attacks, he's a fraud. I'm like, no, they're actually no. He's you can't tell. And by the way, you know, if that was twenty minutes of three months, that not point not 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 one percent of my of 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 three months was spent panicking. I think that is still recovery, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it's well, the reason why I said you still get social anxiety is that you can't see it. You know, yeah, it's interesting. No, that's very people true. just assume it- people you don't have it because you're so confident and you're a performer. I'm so I was so happy to see you post that on Instagram because I just yeah I I will never stop talking about that totally it's been a huge thing in my life of um like um social anxiety was the first reason I went to therapy so for me journaling was a huge way to process that but I understand that it can be a different form of processing for everybody but what I've also noticed is that like when my cortisol is highest what's helped me the most is when I go to that thing of journaling because it was a mix of just getting thoughts out but also mm. I always like look back on journals and I'm like I'm planning out what I'm going to do for the day like I'm planning how am I going to accomplish this thing that I'm stressed about or how am I going to correct some of my my health habits that I want to improve on like there's a purpose for feeling a little bit stressed because if we went through life not feeling any stress at all what would we have like what, what would we have felt like we accomplished or worked on like it's kind of a hard oh, one to yeah. say because i want everybody to have an easy life but also like if you never ever feel stressed you've also never feel like you really push or work you know it kind of there's mm. a healthy dosage of it if you can get just the right balance and yeah 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 no that that makes that makes sense completely um yeah i just it's that relationship a lot of people oh the anxiety's there why is it there why does it have to turn up now? What's it? No, no. Reframe it in the sense of it's okay to mm. have this. Here's an opportunity now. Now I know what it is. Mm-hmm. Here's an opportunity for me to show my threat response, my anxious response, that there is no danger. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't need to do this now. There's no danger. Mm-hmm. That cortisol response is keeping me in a state of high alert. Mm-hmm. And I can behave like I'm in danger, which keeps it there, or I can so no, I don't. I don't really need to engage with this right now. I'm mm-hmm. definitely not going to let it change my behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to kind of ignore it. If I then get spikes of adrenaline, which is you know the acute fear, like oh my god, something really bad's going to happen now, and the heart's pounding and whatnot, that's okay too because that's just the switch. That's the switch mm-hmm. between the cortisol and the adrenaline. Because that's what it's there for. Um, I just find it really helpful. Like, if you're on edge, it's because of the cortisol and your nervous system. You just—that's it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it does. It, it does just because you feel on edge doesn't mean there's actually anything you need to worry about. Mm-hmm. So look at where your focus is, and that's something that we can look at as well. Another in another episode. Where's my focus? Mm-hmm. You know, which is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when you're looking at adrenaline versus cortisol, understanding, in my opinion, it definitely helped me. Understanding the role of it is really helpful. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you've got cortisol pumping through and you feel like something on, on you're on edge and there's something wrong with you, et cetera, et cetera, um, doesn't mean there is. I mean, ideally, this kind of stuff should be taught in like schools to young kids. Oh, that'd be you know, amazing. The, the biomechanics of anxiety, so they don't feel like idiots. But now I've got like grown adults coming to me wishing they were never anxious and trying to fix an anxious yeah. response that's perfectly natural. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just find it really interesting. Yeah, definitely. This feels like sort of the second the second taboo that like we've started like actually doing a good job of teaching teenagers in health class like what different changes that happen during puberty mean for their emotional state and for all sorts of things. And like the second layer of that is to be like, okay, as a grown adult, your hormones will continue doing these things. So what does that mean for your stress and tiredness and fatigue and burnout and all sorts of things i think definitely we're by putting this out there i hope we're rounding a corner into actually having real classes and conversations about that so that so that you're um you're fixing the problem before someone suffers with it for years and has to come to a therapist you know that that could actually go a long way yeah no absolutely absolutely um psychoeducate i'm all about the psychoeducation Mm. Um, because it encapsulates two things that I'm really passionate about: psychos mm. and education. <laughs> I don't know. It's a stupid joke. Um, yeah, I hope that was helpful for people at home. Do you have any concluding reflections, Ella, or should we leave that there for people to indulge and entertain their excessive yeah. cortisol responses? Maybe yeah. followed by an adrenal response. Yeah, I think if uh, if we did anything, if we talked about anything more it would probably blow my mind too much for today. So that was good. I would just say that like this whole boundary between our, um, the rest of our physiology and what happens in our mind is like hormones are just on the line on the, on the blurry line between those two things. And it's still an area that we're all trying to learn more about. But if you aren't going down a, a health anxiety hole, but you do, fancy a little bit of googling at some point about adrenaline cortisol i think that it's uh it is good to just educate yourself on how the body works and what's mm. what's normal in terms of responses because i say this only because um the fact that we have these massive adrenal glands on the back of our kidneys i mm. had no idea about that since learned that you know that therefore means that if something's going wrong with your kidneys and you're, that could affect your adrenal system. And mm. and there's all these different sorts of things that due to one thing going on in your body, it could be affecting your lymphatic system. It could be affecting, like your mm. sleep could be related to your anxiety. It could also be related to like your iron levels. Like there's so many things to learn that when you are interested in a healthy amount of Googling and researching it, it's all linked. I think that's just an important thing to say is that like, our, our mental system and our physiological system are not two completely different entities. So if mm. cortisol, if you if you try to hold a bunch of different things, like it's also worth considering what health habits, if it's something you want to bring up with your doctor, it's all related. So 
um i'm really glad that we did this episode because it's um it's good to talk about from an emotional and a behavioral perspective all things mm. but anxiety but this is a very unique cool episode to talk about something that's just on that borderline between something that affects our physical health and our mental health um mm. and, how, and how they're linked so yeah there's so much to to learn about this but i'm just glad that we brought up an episode yeah no i really enjoyed that if you like that at home um i don't know if you follow us already but you can follow us on our instagram page the panic pod uh where you can give us a message um you can also email at talk at the panic um yeah and yeah with any suggestions we've got i've got loads of suggestions we've got loads of these episodes coming up and i really enjoy doing them and uh, the response we're getting is really really lovely as well and it and it keeps us going it keeps us doing it um which i really look forward to all right thank you very much ella i'll catch you soon and catch all the listeners uh i'll catch you next time thanks josh bye bye bye